Um, this morning, we're going to look at the book of Jonah, and it basically has two cities that we're going to look at. The first one, Nineveh, which was quite possibly the largest city in the world at that time. In the time of the writing of the book of Jonah, it was a huge city. Um, it was, some had called it the big city. <coughs> that it might be the equivalent today of maybe Jakarta, Indonesia, or uh, Tokyo, Japan, or Shanghai, or Seoul, or Manila, or even New York City. How many of you love the big city? How many of you love, love the big city? What are you living in Tehachapi for if you love the big city? Uh, there's a sense in that, right? That uh, there's a certain excitement to the big city. Um, I remember I've only been to uh, really in the city of New York once. Uh, we went there um, and I was a nervous wreck. Uh, I, I was trying to uh, I was trying to get to our hotel. I, we had rented a car, which is a dumb idea. Um, we rented a car. And I remember seeing our hotel. I could see the sign. And we were only like a block and a half away. Uh, but uh, George Bush, our, our president at that time, was speaking um, at the World Trade Center, which was right across the street from our hotel. And there was, you just couldn't get there. Like they closed down streets. And I'm looking, I'm, I just want to get right over there. And I was driving around and driving around. And I was getting frustrated. Um, and it just, I felt like a fish out of water. As you think about the big cities of this world, um, they're known for many things, um, especially those outside of our country. And if you've ever traveled abroad, uh, sometimes there's a sense of frustration and a sense of these are not the people that I live with. And there's a reason for that. Um, so Nineveh might be like that um, as we look at this story here this morning. <coughs> There's also the city of Tarshish, which uh, we're, we're not exactly sure where that is as well, but most likely it was on uh, the coast of Spain, the coast of Spain. And so uh, as we come upon our story, I just want to read this. We'll go through the story of Jonah. I know that many of you know this story well. Uh, I'd like to go through the story and then consider what God would have us learn this morning. As you start in verse 1 of chapter 1, it says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amnitai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Undoubtedly, <coughs> Jonah knew that it was an evil city. And as he receives the marching orders of prophecy, uh, God points to him and says, I need you, uh, it, was, it was real simple, I need you to go to that city Nineveh over there. I, I need you to go from here to there to that city and speak against it. And I will give you the message. I, you're, you're my prophet. I have a message for the city of Nineveh. It's real simple. Um, he was called to arise and go. In verse 3 it says this, But Jonah arose. <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It's interesting, um, that idea of the presence of the Lord, 
you think of Adam and Eve in the garden, and once they had sinned, what did Adam do? He hid from the Lord. Um, bad partner for hide and go seek, by the way. Uh, God always knows where we are. Um, and Jonah was the same way. He says, I, I, that's where I'm supposed to go, but I want to go, I want to get out of here. And not just to escape people, not just to escape the Ninevites, but to get away from the presence of the Lord. Um, there's so many things to talk about in the book of Jonah. <coughs> if you have a relationship with God here this morning, where's the best place for you? Well, it's to be close to Him. It's to be doing what He wants you to do. And yet, what do we do much of the time? We know what God wants us to do. We know what He has for our life. We have some uh, specific and even general direction. And we say, oh, you want me to go there? I'm out of here. I'm going to get out of your presence. I don't like uh, the plan that you have for me. So it says this, so he paid uh, the fare and went down into it to go with them um, on a ship to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So he disobeys. He hops on a a ship and they they head off. As you know, and as it says in chapter 1, it talks about as God obviously knew where Jonah was. (coughs) As he goes on, uh, the, the storm kicks up and everyone's frantic on the boat. The, the sailors are calling out to their gods. They're trying to figure out how to save the ship. And the, the storm is freaking them out, even sailors. And so they, they get Jonah and they say, call on your God. And he says, uh, you know, I, he, I can imagine the feeling of knowing, of connecting the dots that he's the reason. And the sailors, they don't want to throw him overboard, even though he calls them to do so. And so they're throwing over uh, all the contents and calling on their gods and trying to do everything that they possibly can until finally, it says in verse uh, 14 of chapter 1, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done uh, as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. You get the picture that these <coughs> sailors who followed other gods finally believed in the God. I don't know if they considered him the God of Jonah, but Jonah's God, as the sea was whipped up, as they chucked Jonah into the sea. And then uh, as they were fearing for their life, the sea immediately calms before their eyes. And it's interesting. um, As I read this over, I wonder if we will see these sailors uh, when we go to be in heaven with them. I believe we will. As it says, it's it's very interesting that these sailors... and, And it's interesting to me that God (coughs) worked in Jonah's disobedience even, that he brought about his own glory in the the midst of that. In verse 16, it says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. What a picture, huh? 
So Jonah's in the water. The sailors are on the boat. The sea is calm. And they're making sacrifice to the God of Jonah. What a picture. You look at verse 17, it says this, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, when Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. What do you think about that? Can't happen. Can't happen. Can't happen. I've, I've studied, you know, the, um, the bone structure of whales, and there's no place for, there's no possibility that a man can fit in there and come out alive and be in a whale. Apart from this one fact, that God appointed the, the whale or the great fish. Some of us argue over whether it was a whale or a great fish because, you know, mammals, you, you know, you've heard that argument, right? Um, don't get hung up on it. This was a miracle. And so if God wanted a whale to show up with a bone structure that would fit a person inside, do you think God could do these things? Okay, yes. Um, even if you don't know of a great fish that could be big enough, don't you think God could have one show up? Absolutely. And once we get into that scientific mumbo jumbo and arrogance that says, you know, we figured it all out and it's not possible for God to do what he said he did. It's arrogance. It stands in judgment of God. It says, God, I'll tell you what you can and can't do. Yikes. Um, happens every day, doesn't it? The appointed the appointment was made. You could even call the, um, I'm joking here, but you could even call the great fish a prophet because God gave him orders as well, right? He was supposed to go pick up Jonah. I'm glad, the, I'm glad for Jonah that the great fish was more faithful to the call of the Lord than he was, right? He made his pickup, right? And what it says, that Jonah was in the belly of this great fish for three, three days. You can't imagine, can you? Yeah, it's so hard. It's, it's why it's this great fascination with kids and with us as adults too, to be in that place, for Jonah to have known what God was doing and see how God was even orchestrating the waves and the, the, the storm to, you know, you, I would have loved to have seen the Doppler picture, right? Uh, hey, it's sunny everywhere except this little spot following this one ship. You know, why is that? Um, but so Jonah is inside that, that well. You, as you look, <coughs> you see recorded for you in chapter 2, um, what Jonah, parts of his thought process and what he prayed, crying out to the Lord. Um, you, you could look at this as first that God saves some sailors and then God saves his prophet uh, through the whale. You look at verse 10 and it shows that... Um, as a taxi cab, the, the great fish takes Jonah from the water and places him on the beach. Verse 10 says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Once again, man, that must have been awesome. I would have loved to have been sitting on the beach that day. 
just enjoying a good time with my family. You know, we're building sandcastles. And all of a sudden, you see this great fish and uh, projectile coming through the air. And it's a person who's been in a great fish for three days. That would have been awesome. Uh, you remember that family vacation we had? You know, we're sitting on the beach and all of us said, oh, man, that would have been great. And Jonah, too. I mean, he sits on the beach and he goes, what am I doing? What am I doing? I think that that question probably came up over and over again for Jonah. What am I doing? <coughs> in his moments of understanding, in his moments of clarity, why would I fight against the Lord? And as he's placed on the beach, I love the way this says this. Um, chapter 3, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. That's the way we started out in chapter 1, right? God had the message. He, he had the message. And maybe there's a principle for us in there. I won't go any further for a moment. But <coughs> um, often I hear us saying, I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. Um, the question isn't whether you learned your lesson. It, uh, maybe it is. God taught the lesson. Whether we learned it will be proven out over time. Uh, God's not afraid to allow you to repeat a class here and there. He, he, he's, he's, not, he's not afraid to say, you failed. You get to do that one over again. Uh, he brings us back. And as he had a relationship with Jonah... It shows that uh, he gives Jonah that second opportunity. And he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it with the message that I tell you. <coughs> and then it says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. As you look at this, uh, you see it kind of coming together. Now, now, a message from God that you're doing wrong you think about what, what the purpose is of a message like that. As you go to someone and you say, you're not following the Lord, you need to. Your life is wrong in the eyes of God. You ask the question, what is the purpose of a message like that? Well, Jonah wasn't so concerned about the purpose as he was that that was just his opportunity. Um, God gave Jonah, the prophet, reboot. He said, let's start over again. And as Jonah went, he went to share this message that God thought it was evil the way the Ninevites were living. And then you see in verse 10 <coughs> what happened. When God saw what they did, uh, as you look at verses 6 through 9, you see there's a, uh, a repentance that goes on starting with the common person getting to the king and then the king uh, repenting as well and coming uh, to his senses and following after God. It said, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented on the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. This is a great missionary story, isn't it? We, we do have a video of this one, right? Uh, our missionary Jonah would have taken video and said, <coughs> this is where they used to do this. This is where sins had committed. This, this is what was going on. This is prolific in the city. But 
I came, I shared a message, and everyone agreed. Everyone agreed. There was great repentance that happened. Super exciting. Uh, you can rejoice with the Lord. And as I say that, um, I look at chapter 4, and it's such a shocking <coughs> picture for us of the heart of Jonah. And Jonah says this, or what it tells us about his heart in verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. He shares a message from God. He shares a message from God to a people, a great city. And as he shares it, as he shares it, it is received. And there's a response of repentance all the way up to the king. And what is Jonah's response? He's, he's angry and greatly displeased. I look at the heart of Jonah and I'm shocked. I'm shocked. This is a prophet. This is one who has relationship with God. And how can he respond this way to God's work in the world today? And then it says he prayed in verse 2. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not... This is what I said when I was uh, in my country. That this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew, <coughs> excuse me, I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. As you look at that verse, verse 2, that, that what he knew about God what is that? What did he know about God? I read that and, and I go, that is the heart of God working out in the heart of the gospel. Isn't it? That God's gracious, that he's willing and he, he's kind and merciful that he looks upon people who are deserving of, of judgment and he's willing to stay back his hand. That's the good news. And as I hear that, <coughs> I think about him, Jonah, and what he was saying to God. This is such an ironic and difficult thing to hear come out of Jonah's heart and through his prayer. To He says, God, I knew you were the God of good news. And that's bad news. It's bad news. I don't like it that you're the God of good news. I don't like it. Those Ninevites don't deserve it. I can't stand Nineveh. He said, the reason I'm so angry is that you're a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Relenting from disaster. I think about that. And I think about uh, the arrogance of, of Jonah. The arrogance. The flat out arrogance. The cold heartedness. The, um, the way Jonah is living in a dream world. 
thinking that those same characteristics that he knew were true of God are the same characteristics that he needed lived out in his life every day. He needed a God who was gracious. He he wanted to see how God would obliterate the Ninevites because they were wicked in his eyes. He didn't like them. You go on to read uh, his response. You see, uh, <coughs> he goes outside the city. He, he sets himself up a place where he can sit. And God uh, miraculously grows up uh, a plant to give him shade. It's a wonderful plant. It gives him shade. It's uh, expensive. If you went to the Nineveh nursery, it would have cost a lot of money. Um, it was this beautiful plant that, that comes over him and creates this amazing shade for him. And he, he loved it. He, he thought it was great. That was God's miracle number one. God's miracle number two is that he also sent a worm to kill it the next day. And it dies as quickly as it comes up. Uh, God kills it. And so Jonah is mad. Uh, that the Ninevites have not been destroyed. And he looks upon this plant that's no longer working for him, and he's mad about that. And this is how um, this all plays out for him. You look down at verse... um, Oh, we'll start reading at verse 8. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah... And so that he was faint. And he asked, the, the, the great plant isn't there anymore. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Um, Jonah, I'm not saying he was the most emotionally stable guy you've ever met. Um, you, you see... Uh, the rebellion of his own heart, right? You, you see God speaks to his prophet and he has a message, go to Nineveh. And he says, no, thanks. I'm going that way. I'm out of here. I'm done with you. I don't want to be in your presence anymore. And God puts him in a fish, whale, great fish, whatever you want, takes him, spits him up on the, and then he speaks to him again. So Jonah's clear. This is, I, God's real. I have a relationship with him. He has a relationship with me. I, I'm not that great. I've been unfaithful even to the God, God Almighty. And he still is going to use me and work in this situation. I go to Nineveh. I see it with my own eyes. God's hand at work. And I still hate it. Then I see a miracle of this plant growing up. And then I see the miracle of the plant dying. And he says, forget it. I want to die. I want to die. Pretty dramatic, huh? Would have done better in middle school with those type attitudes, right? Hanging out with the girls in middle school, uh, for that matter. Yeah, some of you, you just need to embrace that. You just need to embrace that idea. Um, Jonah says this incredibly dramatic thing. I'll just die. I forget it. I'll just die. Um. I look at this and I struggle with the heart of Jonah. I struggle with who I am in light of the heart of Jonah. 
And this is how God plays out this for him. (coughs) But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Meaning, are you justified? Is it okay? Is it okay for you to be angry right now? That's a good question for us to ask in our homes. Uh, Do you get frustrated or angry? Some of you aren't answering right now. So do you get frustrated or angry? The question maybe that God's asking you is, is it justified? Is it justified for you to be frustrated or angry right now? And I realize that it's one thing for a parent to ask their child that. I also think it's another thing for a spouse to ask their spouse that, right? In a marriage, are you justified in being angry right now? But this is God looking at Jonah and saying, are you justified being angry right now? Is it okay? Is it good for you to be angry? And Jonah, like us, says, yes. And he says, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. Wow. And the Lord said, and this is super important for us to hear, these last couple of verses. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. He said, you're so mad about the plant, you didn't do anything for it. Anything. It's interesting that um, it could have happened over time, right? Uh, he, he could have sat down and it could have been a mild day and he sees this little plant and he says, boy, I want this plant. Let's get some water here. And we, we plant. And there's a few weeds around and I'll, I'll, I'll nurture this. And the plant over days, over time, it would grow and he'd see this beautiful plant. And then God could have sent the worm and killed it. And he would have said, I'm so angry. I worked so hard. I worked so hard to, to get that plant to grow. And God, you killed it right there. It's wrong of you. But it didn't happen that way, did it? Shot up. Shot up. Came before his very eyes. He didn't do anything. God did it all. God was in charge. And God brought it up and then God killed it. Brought it down. And he looks to Jonah and he says, Look, you're all bent out of shape about that plant. You didn't do anything for it. It wasn't yours to be had. It wasn't your, you didn't put it there. Those aren't your things. They're my things. And this is how he ends up um, talking to Jonah about Nineveh. Verse 11, And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Well, um, 120,000. Uh, that's a lot, isn't it? The picture there, um, I, I was going to do it. I probably should have done it, but I didn't want to embarrass any of you parents. I was going to ask your kids, uh, show me your right hand. Show me your right hand. And uh, they, some of them would have got it right. Um, well, 50% of the time you can get that right, right? Even if you guess. Um, uh, and they would have been doing this thing and some of them would have gotten it wrong. That's what that is. 120,000 little kids. 
they were to do the surprise box in Nineveh, they would have been everywhere. Some estimate that Nineveh was 600,000 people, maybe the greatest city in the world at that time. It is this huge, huge city. And Jonah just says, wipe it out. Just wipe it out. They're filthy, evil sinners. They do all kinds of things. They don't care about their own kids. Why should we care about them? Just just wipe them out. (coughs) I deserve to be angry for the way you've treated me, God. And God says to him, uh, Jonah, you didn't do anything. This isn't your business. This is my business. And as I look upon this city, don't you think that I should have compassion, a heart for a city of maybe over a half a million people? I think it's interesting that he says, and cattle, and cattle. Some of you are saying, well, God loves barbecue. It shows it right there. And uh, he's concerned about barbecuers. Uh, you know what I think it is? Uh, I think it's this. That God's even concerned about the animals. And you say, well, you know, God cares more for people than he does for animals. I believe it. But it was interesting to me. I, you know, some of you were involved in this as well. I was coming in town. Um, I was coming in from town on Friday and, um, I saw that there was a fire. I saw that there was a fire and, um, I know there's fires around here and I I didn't think a whole lot about it. And as I drove closer past Frosty King, I I could see the flames getting greater and uh, I said, Oh, I'll be able to make it. It seems like everybody else is making it. And as I drove, um, past uh, Country Oaks Baptist Church. And as I drove past that, I realized it was a lot closer than I wanted it to be. And I didn't like where I was, but um, I just kept on going. And I saw uh, uh, some cows in a field and a man was trying to shoo them away from the fire. And I was thinking, man, they, they got to get those, they got to get those cows out of there. You think about that and you think, well, you know, that's our heart, right? We realize that animals are valuable. How much more kids? How much more? You know, uh, we look at places and things in this earth and go, oh, the, that doesn't matter. That, pff, I can't, I could care less about that. It's like Nevada, right? You think Nevada, who cares about Nevada? Ah. Saudi Arabia, ah. who cares about that? You know, Russia, it's not like they don't have more land. You know, who cares about that city? There's always another city, right? China, you know, China is this vast area. You know, I can't stand those people. They're always trying to take over. They're stealing our jobs. Ah, I can't stand them. People in South America, oh, I, I just can't stand them. There's just people that just keep coming in. They're a bunch of illegal all the time. They're, ah. We think about people who um, are evil in our eyes, that we see our, uh, their, their life is one that is abrasive in our eyes. Those who are um, maybe doing prison time, 
Maybe they um, have taken advantage of children. Maybe they're murderers. Maybe they're people who um, do whatever that favorite sin that you don't think uh, should be able to live afterwards. And, and I understand all these things, and I understand the heart, and I understand Jonah's heart. And God questions him, and I think it's an uh, amazing picture, uh, you know, it, it it's that show that leaves you hanging, right? You've been in this intense show for an hour and all of a sudden there's this dramatic moment and you want it to be finished and boom, it's done. And it leaves you wanting and it leaves you like, what? but they didn't finish. They didn't finish. The book of Jonah ends with a question. Ends with a question. And it's God questioning Jonah. He says, shouldn't I be? Shouldn't I be who I am? As he looks to Jonah, he says, and should I not (coughs) pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. As I look upon this uh, this story, I want to give us a few points as we land in this story and try to sort it out. I think that the, the first thing I want to share with you um, is God throws Jonah's heart next to his own. He says, do you see the difference? Do you see the difference between Jonah's heart and my heart? And I want to make it a little wider there. I think he throws his people's hearts, Israel. And and I want to make it even wider. He throws our heart next to his own. And he says, don't you see the difference? My heart is the gospel. I'm merciful. I'm kind. I, I, I love people. I have pity on them for their situation, even in their own sin. You, you love to see uh, it blow up. You love to see wicked people get wicked things. My heart compared to yours. Uh, number two, I want to tell you that justice and compassion are the Lord's. Justice and compassion are the Lord's. We don't decide. We don't decide. We we don't say, uh, I want justice. They need to They need to get it right now. Or, I kind of like them. I realize they've done wrong. Let's show them compassion. You're not on the board of directors on that decision. You're not one that's a decider in that. You're a messenger. You're a messenger. God decides what he's going to do. And to some, he, he grants them compassion. And others, he brings justice. And you say, well, I don't like that. I want to vote. Tough. Tough. It's not ours. If God's not going to take into account the prophet, he's not going to take into account us. I I want us to see that. I I want us to hear that. It's super important that we understand that justice is the Lord's as well as compassion. And what are we? We're his servants. We're his servants taking the message of the good news of the gospel to whoever will listen. Lastly, 
I want to tell you that repentance is the goal of the gospel. Repentance is the goal of the gospel. Um, the thing that's so difficult about us here in the story of Jonah is at the end of chapter three, we say, they repented. You know, uh, chapter four is the party they threw, right? The excitement that they had, the discipleship that started, the, the way they tried to set up their new awkward life because now that they were, everything they had before is wrong and they got to get rid of it. And how, how do we, that's what chapter four is going to be about. And then we see immediately, we see Jonah going, I'm so angry, so angry that they repented. Man, it's such bad news that God's a God of good news. I want to tell you that repentance is the goal. That we should cheer when God would rescue a family. That we should cheer when God would rescue someone who has previously been an enemy. We should cheer. We should be excited. We should be connected. Hey, just as God did a work in my life, he's doing a work in their life. Repentance is the goal of the good news. I want to tell you, uh, I want to ask you, should God not pity a city? Should should God not pity a great city with 120,000 kids, a lot of cows? Shouldn't he? Let's pray uh, that God would pity our city. God, thank you for this message this morning. I ask that the question (coughs) would continue to be mulled over in our own hearts is whether we should expect you to pity or whether we should want you to bring about justice. God, those things are your own. God, I pray for our our hearts here. I ask that you would work in us in a, a way that would be honoring to you. I pray that you would um, cause us to have a heart that's like your own and not like Jonah's. God, uh, forgive us for being arrogant like Jonah and sometimes arrogant um, that we think we're better than Jonah, that we don't think that way. God, remove both and plant us with your own heart. God, thank you for the opportunities you place before us. Uh, We ask that you would make us faithful to take them and to obey you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. You are dismissed.